concept of worship. Now, I know that the upper class already has been here for a little while. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. And for them, I hope, for them, they know that worship doesn't equal music or singing. But worship is a lifestyle. Right? It's a lifestyle that honors the Lord. Now, music, what we do here, what we just did, is an expression of it. Right? It's an expression of what is in my heart. It's an expression of my worship to God. But it's not the whole concept of worship. Right? And oftentimes, we're confused between the, you know, the two because we are worshiping God when we sing. We are worshiping God when we play instruments. We are worshiping God, you know, the 30 minutes, 40 minutes that we do when uh, we go to churches or Elam here, right? We are, but it's not what worship is all about. That's an expression of it. Just as praying. Praying is an expression of worship. Would you agree with me? Right? Sometimes being in awe and just standing still and just, you know, being in the presence of the Lord, not saying anything, is an expression of worship. So, we have two worship emphasis chapels this semester, and we're going to talk a little bit about the heart of the worshiper. But before I get into the, the, the topic for today, which is gratitude, I want us to be on the same page, all of us. That worship is not summarized in the 20, 30, 40 an hour that we do singing or playing. That is an expression of it. But worship is a life that honors the Lord. It is not out of obligation. Well, I need to honor God. You know, I'm a Christian, so I must do that. That's not the point of it. The point is out of a heart that is in love with the Lord. We love him, so we want to honor him. And let's face it, all of us will make mistakes, except for my wife. She's perfect. But all of us will say the wrong thing at times, will not put the Lord in the first place that he deserves. We will go through times where we don't feel anything, spiritual dryness. We'll go through, go through times where you question God. Like a speaker was saying yesterday, you know, he was questioning God and saying, why this, why that? We'll go through seasons of that. But the point is that our hearts have to be in the right place. And the right place is out of love for the Lord is that we want to live a life of worship. So when somebody says to you, Bible college students, and I know some of you guys are in the business degree, but still you're in a Bible school. When somebody says to you, so can you define what's worship for me? You can simply say, is a life that honors the Lord. Is a life that out of love for him wants to do what is right. Not out of legalistic things, but out of love for the king of kings. Just like me and my wife. If I say that I love my wife, you know, I cannot go and cheat on her. If I say that I love my wife, I better respect her. Right? 
or she also hits me if I don't. But that's a different <laughs> issue for a different time. No, she doesn't. She's very nice. If I say that I love my wife, but then I don't act like, act like it, there's a little issue. But it's not because I need to. It's not out of like, well, I signed a paper, you know, I said in front of the pastor, I said, well, I, uh, yeah, I promised to honor. It's not about that. It's about love. It's out of love for her, out of love, and most importantly, out of love for God that I honor my wife. Does that make sense? So once again, when somebody asks you, well, what is worship? You can simply say it's a life that honors the Lord out of love. Not of legalistic things. Out of love that wants to honor the Lord. And music, singing, playing, praying, dancing, bowing down, being still, being quiet. That is an expression of worship. But that's not the worship. So oftentimes you have hear me say, well, we're going to go into some musical worship. And sometimes I say that because I want to, you know. Remind all of us that it is an expression. We're going to go through a time of musical worship, but then we're going to go to a time of prayer, which is also an expression of worship. Remember a time where just be still, like what we did in the beginning. We came before the Lord and said, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner. I'm, please forgive me of my sins. Right? It's an expression, prayer. But it's not what worship is all about. Does that make sense? Okay. Having said that, this couple of chapels that we'll have, we have one now, and I believe one is in either November or October. I was the one who scheduled them, but I don't remember. As you can see, I'm getting old. Um, we're going to talk about the heart of the worshipers, right? Because all of us here are called to be worshipers. And all of us here must be worshipers. Because that's what we need to do. Out of love for the Lord. So let me tell you a story that is in the book of Joshua. Now, I already spoke this message during our summer chapel. So some of the students that were here for the summer chapel, you get to hear again to Gabriel saying this thing, right? But just bear with me. It's the same message. But it applies for all of us. So in Joshua chapter 3, Right? The Israelites, I'm going to give you a background story because we're going to go to Joshua chapter 4, actually, if you have your Bibles. I'll have you go to Joshua chapter 4. Um, I don't have slides because I purposely want you to use your Bible, even if it's on your phone. It's Joshua 4. Now, before we read Joshua 4, I want to give you a little bit background story about that. So, the Israelites are ready to take the promised land. Right? They are ready. But there's one tiny little problem between that, between the promised land and where they were, and that is the Jordan River. This 156, 7, 8 mile long river was in the way of them trying to conquer in the promised land. Now, at that time where they were ready to conquer the promised land, the river was at its peak. In other words, it was so big that it was even more of a challenge for them to cross. So Joshua, you know, decides to uh, spend the night there before crossing the Jordan River. He, he spends around three days, right? And on the third day, he says to the officials, listen, guys, 
you need to go tell the people of Israel that as soon as they see the Ark of the Covenant, they need to follow it. They need to follow the Ark of the Covenant. So the officials go do that. You know, they go to the people and they say, hey, amigos, once you see the Ark of the Covenant, you need to make sure your iPhone is all charged. You need to make sure your iPad is ready to go because as soon as you see it, we're going to go. So no time for like, well, it's because my iPhone is not too charged yet. <laughs> right? You need to go. So remember, then the Lord speaks to Joshua. And he says, this is how the people of Israel will know that I am with you. Tell the priest that carried the Ark of the Covenant that... They need to go through, you know, the people. And when they get to the Jordan River, that they need to start walking. But as soon as your feet touches the water, the Jordan River, the waters of the Jordan River will cut off. And you'll be able to go through dry land. Now, this is something interesting to me. Now, we all know we have read this story many times. You'll know that the Israelites, you know, actually did cross the river in dry land, right? We all know that. But before we talk about the miracle, I want to talk about the other miracle of the priest. Because that's a miracle on its own. Why do I say this? Imagine you were one of the people that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And Joshua comes to you and says, listen, um, I need you to, you know, grab the Ark of the Covenant and go through the Jordan River. And no worries, you know, it's okay. As soon as you touch the water, the, the, you know, the waters will be cut off. I don't know about you, but if something says that to me, I'd be like, ah, yeah, right. I think the tacos you had last night affected your brain. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't believe that easy. The interesting part in the Bible mentions that they obeyed and they did it. The other amazing thing, so one is that they obeyed, right? Didn't, I don't know, the Bible doesn't mention if they questioned him or not. The Bible mentions that they did, they went and then obeyed. But the other interesting thing is that they were told to be in the middle of the Jordan River, holding the ark, until all the people of Israel went through. We're not talking like 90 people. We're not talking, well, 50 people. Well, maybe Elam, right? 120 is it's bearable, right? We are talking at least, theologians say that was between 200 to 400,000 people by that time. Now, picture that yourself, waiting for 240,000 or plus people to cross while you keep holding the ark. I don't know about you, but sometimes just me playing an instrument, I'm already tired. And I want to sit down. That's why if you see, I bought the worship team nice tools there. So they, if they get tired, they can sit. See, I treat them nice. <laughs> right? But picture that. 400 people. Waiting. You need to wait for those people to cross. It's like I'm saying to you, well, you know, you know, I'm going to grab Alex and, uh, and Tandre and I'm going to grab Lewis and Josh. And you guys are going to go to the Genesee River and you're going to wait there until the whole city of Rochester goes through. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be carrying, you know, a heavy ark and just 
wait there patiently until they cross. I don't know about you, but that's a miracle on its own. What does that teach us me? This teaches me that when you obey the Lord, He gives you the strength to carry on what He has called you to do. Okay, let me say that again. This means that when you obey the Lord, He will give you the strength to do what He has called you to do. But the interesting thing here is that they obey. As as worshipers, all of us worshipers, we need to have the heart of obedience to the Lord. We need to make sure that we obey His commands. Now, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit of this and then say this. Prayer is very good, but prayer doesn't remove the responsibility you have. It's prayer and doing. Now, before you stone me to death, I'm not trying to say that prayer is bad, that we shouldn't pray, that prayer is, you know, I'm not talking about the moments where there's nothing else to do and you're just praying and waiting on the Lord, right? I'm not talking about those times of prayer. Before you stone me, for speaking heresy, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. Praying for your finances doesn't remove the responsibility of you being a good administrator. Praying for your spouse, in my case, me, right? And a few people that are married here. Doesn't remove the responsibility of you loving your wife or you submitting to your husband. I cannot say, well, I already pray for my wife, right? So I can just do whatever I want. That's not the case. Praying for somebody's salvation doesn't remove your responsibility of going and preaching the gospel. Now, I know that sometimes we can because we're not close to them and we need to pray for them, absolutely. But you need to do things. So again, praying for a specific thing doesn't remove your responsibility of also doing the thing you're supposed to do. Picture this. Well, you are jobless, right? And it's not enough with just praying. Now, I know sometimes when you pray, the Lord responds in miraculous ways. And sometimes there's a job that will knock at your door and say, hey, um, I heard that you were jobless. Here is a job. Yes, there has been mm, tiny times where that happens. But the majority of the times is you going and looking for a job, right? It's not praying and then I'm just going to sit on my couch, recline a little bit, you know, and watch Bluey until people just, you know, call me for uh, a job interview. It's not. It's you pray and you go. Does that make sense? So again, why did I bring in this? It's because it's not enough for the priest to say, well, that's a good word, Joshua. I'm standing with you. And just leave it like that. No. It's I'm standing with you, Joshua, and I'm going to do it. Right? And when you do that, the Lord gives you the strength to carry what he has called you to do. Like in this, play, in this case, the priests were able to wait for 4,000, 400,000 people to cross through while holding the Ark of the Covenant. So that's the background story. Now let's go to Joshua chapter 4. So Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read from the ESV. This is what it says, Joshua chapter 4, 
Verse 1, we're going to read through verse 8. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe of men, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Catch that. That's one important thing. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a men from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone from his, from his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come, What do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So this stone shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So there's two scenes here that are happening. One, Joshua says, guys, I want you to go where the priests were and grab stones. Now, I'm sure that it was bigger than this, right? But grab these stones. And bring them with you to the place you're going to stay. That's one part, right? Grab the stones where the priests were from the river. The second thing he says is, in from the dry land, grab also 12 stones and bring them and put them to the place where the priests stood. So there's two monuments here. The monument outside with the rocks from the, from the river there for them to see. And the other one in the river. Does that make sense so far? So, Joshua says, grab stones. The interesting thing about the passage, it says this. So that, it says in, ver in, in verse 7. On verse 6, sorry. So when your children ask, what does the stone mean to you? Then you tell them what happened. It's interesting to me that the Lord is telling the people, hey, I need you to grab these stones because I want to make sure you remember what happened today. Now you ask me, Gabriel, why does this all have to do with worship with me? And what does the story all have to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. When we get stressed, when we get overwhelmed, now the student ministries are starting this week. One more thing on your plate to do. Now midterms are not coming yet, but in a few weeks midterms will be here. Then you realize your SOS, you're running behind. Then you realize I have a midterm paper. And I have tons of meetings. All of a sudden, you start getting stressed and overwhelmed. And you know what happens when we're stressed and overwhelmed? I don't know about you, but me, I tend to forget the goodness of God. Just being honest with you. When I'm in stress mode or overwhelmed mode, sometimes, oftentimes, I tend to forget what the Lord has done for me. Us as humans have the tendency to forget the good things. Sometimes we have the tendency to remember the bad things people have done for us. And that's why you have, you know, you know there was a person who says to me, it's hard for me, Gabriel. I'm trying to let it go, but that hurt me so much. And I was like, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Why is it, you know, hard to forget? Well, I know it happened, happened like 40 years ago, but it's still... You know, it's, 
And it's interesting how people will remember the bad things rather than the good things. And that's why the Lord says, listen, you need to put this there because I want you to remember what happened today. So for us, worshipers, and for us that are Elam, there will be times that you're going to start getting stressed, overwhelmed, that coming to chapel is going to seem like a chore, or like, I got to go to chapel today. Or going to class is going to be like, I don't want to go because I have to do six sermons in the class and I don't want to. Right? It's just life. And face it, Elam is not a regular school. We do have SOS. We do have, you know, weekends that are mandatory, like Foundations Weekend that is coming up. That is Friday and Saturday. We have different spiritual activities and we keep you busy. Right? And in those moments, when you start getting frustrated, overwhelmed, irritated, is when we start forgetting the goodness of God. That's one. Or two, when everything in our life goes, is going well, and I don't have any stress, sometimes we also tend to forget that everything we have is from the Lord because we feel it's just a normal part of life. And many times we'll say, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. But the Bible actually says, well, if God wills, I will see you tomorrow. Because sometimes they forget, well, you know, I have breath in my lungs. It's a normal thing. I have all my fingers. It's a normal thing. I have, I look at my feet. I have all my toes in place. It's normal. And sometimes the little things, we take it for granted. Or sometimes we feel that we're entitled to things because, you know, it's normal. And the key is, we can start taking things like that. Because everything we have, was given by the Lord. And everything he has blessed us is good. So that's why this message is important. Because now we are in the, just at the beginning of the third week. Things are going to start getting a little bit crazy. Now, you need to manage a, a good schedule. Please, manage a good schedule. You need to make sure that sometimes you need to say no to social things. Because you need to do homework. So be responsible. Also with students, so I'm communicating from a student here and say, hey, it's also on you. Try your best. But there will be times we're going to be stressed where we forget the goodness of God. Or there might be times where everything is going well and sometimes we forget also the goodness of God because we feel entitled to things. We feel that, well, it's just a normal part of living. But the heart of a worshiper is a heart that places the Lord at first place and remembers his goodness. And that's the key. We need to remember his goodness. The fact that you are alive right now, the fact that you can take, you know, breathe, breathe in and out. The fact that you're able to be here in school, even though you might be thinking, well, how, I'm, no, I'm not sure how I'm going to afford next semester. That's okay. Don't worry about next semester. Concentrate on the present. That's still all a blessing from the Lord. And that's why we need to remember his goodness. And this message word was in my heart for all of you because I know as the week progress or the weeks progress, things are going to get a little bit more busy. Now, in the summer chapel, when I spoke this word, I gave each one of the staff members this little stone. So some of them, they have it in their offices. Um, and I told them, you know, the reason I give you this is so that way you, when you look at the stone, you remember, oh, yeah, I need to be grateful. 
oh, yeah, I remember that message. Now, it was impossible for me to get a lot of stones for each one of you, and I didn't want you to stone me if I, you know, ref, ref wrong in soccer, and then you just hit me with the same stone that I just gave you, right? So I'm not going to give you a stone for my own sake. Just kidding. But what I want you to do is find something that reminds you of the goodness of God. Now that you see a stone, every time you will go by and you see a stone, remember this story and remember that what the Lord has done for you. My dad used to write in the mirror, you know, be thankful. So every time he used to, you know, shave his beard, he'll look at that, he remembers. There's some people that have a bracelet. Every time they see a bracelet, they remember the goodness of God. Whatever it is for you, if it's a reminder on your phone that just in a random times shows up and says, well, hey, you need to remember the, God, the goodness of the Lord. Whatever you do to remember the goodness of the Lord, do it. Because we do have the tendency to forget the goodness of the Lord and everything he has done for us. Does that make sense? So... The other thing is, I don't want us to ever take things for granted, right? The world calls it luck. The world calls it coincidence, right? We went to Ecuador this past summer, and my parents were talking to me about they were going to go to the beach, and the beach is around like four hours away from where we live, you know, and to go to the bridge. To, to the beach, there's this bridge that you need to cross that connects the provinces because we don't have states here, we have provinces, right? And this bridge has a very deep, you know, um, I don't know what you're going to call it. But when you cross that bridge, it's sometimes a little scary. So they were telling me that they were supposed to leave at, they were supposed to leave at 4.30. In the morning. But my dad couldn't sleep. And they couldn't sleep. So they say, well, why don't we just leave at 4? So they leave at 4. They cross the bridge. And half an hour later, they saw in the news that the bridge uh, got, you know, got destroyed and, and, and fell. Now, if they left at 4.30 as planned, they wouldn't be here anymore. They will be with the Lord. And the world will call that, well, man, your parents are so lucky. Whoa, what a coincidence. But all of that is a provision of the Lord. And I don't want us to be people that is just, well, I'm lucky that I got this. I'm lucky that I... It's not about luck. It's about His goodness. And remembering His goodness. So... As worshipers, we are called to remember the goodness of God. We're called to remember what the things he has done for you. And I'm telling you, when things get rough, which for some they will, for some they won't. I'm not trying to prophesy. But when things are rough, it's when we need to remember the goodness of the Lord. So take the time when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel tired, when you feel the giving up. Just take the time. You find a stone. Remember this message. The Lord is good and he has done so much for us that we have so many things to be thankful for. But that's not all why we need to remember this. 
verse 6 says, when your children ask you, why are these stones? Then you can tell them this is why. What I see when I read that passage is that remembering the goodness of God is not only for our benefit, but it's also for the benefit of others. We need to tell others about the goodness of God. We are called to tell others about the goodness of God. In this crazy world that is filled with negativity, that is filled with garbage, we as worshipers need to share with them the goodness of God, the gospel. We need to share what the Lord has done with us because that will encourage others. And you know what happened when we don't tell the goodness of God? It's going to happen what happened to the generation of Joshua. Just look at what happened. If you go to Judges 2, let's go to Judges 2. I'll give you a little time to find it. Judges chapter 2. This is what shocked me. And I know we have heard this story before, but this is what shocked me. I'm going to read it. It says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timahir, and the hills country of Ephraim, nor over the mountain of Gash. And all the generations also were gathered to their fathers, and those, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done before Israel. Wait a minute, what? Another generation of rose who did not know the Lord or his works? But I thought they were supposed to tell them about the works of the Lord. I thought the, the memorials that they built were supposed to be a testimony of the goodness of the Lord. So the new generation knew who they were serving. Shockingly, that didn't happen. Something got broken in between that. And this is the consequences. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger that they abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over the plunders who plundered them. And, so, and he sold them into the hand of their surrounder enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. That is the consequence when we don't do our job. So, again, remembering the goodness of the Lord is not only for us when we are stressed or when everything is, is, uh, is going well for our own sake. And we need to do that. We need to remember so we keep him in the first place. But it's also for the generations to come. It's also for your friends to tell the goodness of God. Because if we don't share the goodness of God, there will be people that will come and will not know the Lord or his goodness. And that is very sad. So, worshipers, all of you, this is not about if you sing, if you play instruments. We already talked about that. That has to do anything with singing, with music. It has to do with a heart that honors him and a heart that remembers his goodness. A heart that is thankful for the king of kings. In a heart that shares that with others. 
So today, I'm encourage, encouraging each one of you, take the time, not only today, but take the time to remember the goodness of God, the things he has done for you, the times that he came through with something, the times that he rescued you from something. And I know that there will be times and seasons in our lives where we might not hear from the Lord for a moment because he had decided to wait. There might be times in our lives that we go through hardships and tribulations that we don't know what's going on. And like the speaker said yesterday, it's not our job to know what's going on. It's just to trust in the Lord. Because sometimes the Lord doesn't give you details. Nevertheless, I encourage each one of you to give your trust to the Lord and to remember His goodness. We need to remember His goodness. And two... We need to tell others about his goodness. We need to share with others about his goodness. And here in a Bible school, I know that Elam is a little bit of a Bible. We live, you know, here and just we have chapels and you're surrounded by the word of God. And you, you know, you have even Selenites and you have the uh, women's night that meets. And we have, you know, all these spiritual events. Listen, even with all of that. We still need to make the time to spend time with the Lord and to thank Him for His goodness. Because I can do it for you. Elon cannot do it for you. We can provide atmospheres like the Selenites, the chapels, like the Emphasis Weeks, the Spiritual Weeks. We can provide all of that. But it's up to you to take it. It's up to you to do it. It's up to you to go and say, I'm going to spend time with God. I love times where we have here in the chapels and the Lord moves in mighty ways and we are touched by him and we're all on fire for him. And I love those times and I wish we have more of those. But what I love more is the result after that. Because the hype will fade a little bit. When you go out of this place and you get an email from accounting saying, you know, you need to pay your, your bill. Or from home and saying, mom was in an accident. In those moments is when we need to say, I need to praise the Lord. I need to worship the Lord. So, it's not wrong to desire God. In fact, it's very encouraged to desire God. But it cannot just be there a wish. It cannot just be a desire. It has to be also you. You need to put the work into it. You need to spend time with the Lord. You need to, as the speaker said yesterday, read your Bible. Be mentored by people. It needs to be you. It's not all just the spiritual weeks. It's not just chapel. It's also you. You need to put the work. And that's why I'm saying you need to find something that will remind you of the goodness of God. So when you go through hardships, you know that God is with you. You know he is faithful. You know he is good. You know he is beside you. And he loves you. And right now, before we, be, we, we finish this time, what I want all of us to do is, if you can stand with me, and we're going to do the same thing within the beginning where we just close our eyes to avoid distraction. And then musicians, you can go back up. And without any music playing, we're going to take the time to thank the Lord. 
just where you are. It can be a one thing. It can be a list of things. But I want us to bring to memory the good things that the Lord has done for us. And if you can think of anything, just the fact that you are here and the fact that you have breath in our lungs is the reason to be thankful to the Lord. So as worshipers, I want us to cultivate a heart of thankfulness to the Lord, especially in times of stress, which may come sooner or later.